0: the Urban Planners Podcast, hosted by Gigi the Planner. This podcast is about all things urban planning related and otherwise. In this setting, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the planning field. We'll even delve into some very controversial topics involving the role planners have to take in their everyday lives and jobs. Without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. This This is Gigi the Planner.
1: Welcome everyone to episode 31 of the Urban Planners Podcast. In today's episode, I will be interviewing Bukhari Hyde and we will be talking about his transition into the transportation planning field and all the work that he does in Georgia and has done in the past in Texas. He is actually one of my new blog writers, so look forward to reading some of his blog posts in the future. So let's jump into today's episode. So welcome, Bakari, to the Urban Planners Podcast. Thank you for having me. No problem. First off, what is your planning story? How did you get into the field?
2: Originally, my main hobby was meteorology. And I wanted to study everything weather. And part of that component was drawing maps and showing the conditions everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it somehow spilled over into learning of what was on the maps and learning what each environment looked like. And I grew up in a small town in South Georgia, and the closest cities to me were Savannah. And I was so amazed at how different the environments were. And this was a city that had a bus system and a bustling downtown and, and even sprawled out outside its the sub- suburban side of the city. So it fascinated me and it piqued my interest and wanted to explore that a little bit more. And that's how I got into planning. I wanted to learn more about the different environments that I was accustomed to being in a small town.
1: I had someone about a month and a half ago on my podcast and she was actually gonna start on meteorology as well and then she transitioned over to planning. So that's interesting. So you have a lot of transportation planning experience in Georgia and Texas. What drew you to transportation specifically?
2: I've always had a fascination of how we get from point A to point B. And especially with coming to Atlanta and finding so many different modes of transportation uh, as far as taking the train, taking the bus, car carpools, I wanted to explore it all. And knowing that this was going to be a profession that would always be in need, we're always going to need transportation planners. We're always going to need someone to mold the future of how we get around and especially as our lives are more demanding. And I that was one of the biggest attractors for me and more specifically public transit because it's a forgotten child especially in america we don't really value it as much and i wanted to be able to have that call and fulfill it to bring it to the forefront of saying that hey this is important and is this is also something that's going to save the environment because of the lesson need for individual vehicles so that's a lot of uh what drew me to it and also, more that humanitarian side—that you're you're planning for other people—and I'm one person in a whole generation that chooses not to drive as much and not be as dependent on vehicles. And I, I've, I've always loved that fact about going into transportation—is that you you bring on their whole macro level side of helping others.
1: Cool. So tell me about the organization that you co-founded, Marta Army. What is that organization about?
2: So Marta Army is a transit nonprofit that empowers residents of Metro Atlanta to fix their system. Uh, at the time that it was started, around 2014, 2015, Marta wasn't in the best state. We were struggling to, to expand. We were struggling to keep services open as far as bus routes. Myself and Lyle Harris, who was the former chief spokesperson of MARTA, we attended a conference transportation camp south in Atlanta, and we created a session called MARTA Army Now. And we were bouncing around names, and the group literally formed amongst all of us that kind of went to the same transportation meetings. So we all saw each other. So it was almost this community that of, of people that were already in the transportation community in Atlanta, forming this whole group of how we can tackle all the issues that MARTA had but from a writer's perspective. Not necessarily waiting on the agency to to go and fetch money for capital and operations but what can we do with the resources that we have at our own disposal. We started it and filed the paperwork for the 501c3 and for five years we've been helping MARTA create real-time arrival information signs and we've helped the commuters get around the 85 bridge collapse a couple of years ago. We We've even done so much that right now we have a a program called Mobile Youth Atlanta. And what we're doing is we're reaching out to the young people and trying to get them involved and make this a multi-generational thing because it was one of the things that growing up, there was really no direct club or direct organization for me to pique my interest into transportation. I did it on my own. We thought of this to give children as well as their parents a chance to to voice their concerns and also why they love transit, so we can amplify that to others and get them to see that it's not just this tool that poor people depend on or people of color depend on. It's a way of life where anyone to use it. You have to you have to figure out how it works best for you. I'm really proud of our group and we've done so much to help the the transit community in Metro Atlanta. Marta gives us the utmost respect and. And we do the same for them. And I'm really proud of the accomplishments that we've undertaken.
1: That's great. And that sounds really um, noble of you to have started that. Are you doing that full time? Is that like a part time thing for you or how is that working for you right now?
2: I, I want to say it's become full time. I'm on two other national union groups, trust and labor network for sustainability. So I'm basically the MARTA Army liaison for both of them and match up national campaigns as well as with local campaigns. I update them on everything that's going on transit-wise in Metro Atlanta, as well as they also come back to us with campaigns for national calls to action for transit. Like right now, we're calling on Congress to put more money towards transit in the next stimulus bill. So uh, there's a campaign for that, and there's also a campaign that we're wanting to do in Metro Atlanta for the bus system. Before the pandemic, they shut down half of the bus system, and they now recently allowed collecting fares again and front door boarding. But half of the bus system is still out in service. So we wanted to create uh, a project and a campaign around that so we can get folks involved in speaking out amongst the services. I, I want to say this is now full-time. I'm also working on a, a side project in Clayton County for their upcoming high-capacity transit service. It's now become a full-time thing for me and I'm definitely exploring opportunities to bring MARTA Army into an even bigger job for me to where that can be my full-on full-time and I don't have to worry about going to an office or working for a public sector or a private sector job. Not that those aren't Good. I'm at this point to where I want to be able to create my own destiny. And Martyr Army was a godsend because I was able to join this team to create something that I loved and cared. My Twitter handles have always dealt with something Martyr related. And I I think it's my duty to carry on with that. So I really do want to take that to the full-time status where I could be my own boss.
1: I totally hear you on that. I'm actually working towards that myself. That is my ultimate goal. (laughs) So transitioning a little bit, what have you learned from your practical work experience that you did not learn in school?
2: Oh, a lot. You'll be surprised to learn that there's a lot of things that they do not teach you in planning school. But one of the things I've learned is that in order to work in the environment that you're going to work in, you need to be in the environment. And that's one thing, especially because I went to planning school at Georgia Tech. So there was a lot of theory, a lot of planning concepts that they teach you. But one of the things that don't teach you was how to interact with the community. And that's something, especially with the community diversifying Black like Atlanta, is that you have to know how to talk to people. There's still a lot of residents here that we call the Grady Babies. They're the original residents of Atlanta. Uh, that are frustrated because their city is changing rapidly and they don't recognize it anymore. And one of the things that I've taught a lot of people that are in this planning field is that you have to ask them what they want. And not every new addition, transportation wise or planning is not necessarily good. It's not necessarily progress. It's, And especially if they don't like it so that's one thing i've learned how to talk to people and i've i've volunteered with uh, the neighborhood planning units here and i was even secretary on the sweet Auburn neighborhood district um, in dr king's old neighborhood uh, and i've learned a lot about being a part of a neighborhood and being a part of the process it, it's easy to wear a suit and a tie or to wear professional clothes and go into a neighborhood and say that we're proposing a a streetcar or we're proposing a bus rapid transit line. But if you're not listening to the concerns of the neighbors, especially those who have been there for years and are holding onto the houses to prevent being priced out from gentrification, there's a lot of attention and a lot of history that you have to read, that you have to digest before you even move into the process of telling them what you're thinking of putting here or what you're thinking of adding thinking that's going to enhance their lives. Because it may not. We're, we have a lot of projects uh, that's coming along the line in in the city of Atlanta that some look at as a positive step towards the right direction. Some look at it as a, a hindrance. And uh, part of the things that I don't necessarily care for in the planning community here is that it's really transient. Like one day we'll have a set of planners, next day a new set of planners. So there's no one who's really able to, stay along for the journey and that's why i'm i'm dedicated to atlanta because i love it here it's still black hollywood for me i I would never have imagined to get to this level of where i am had it not been a place for a person of color especially a person of color that comes from a small town to to make it but i mean the, the hype is real you really can do that. And I think that we get lost in the sauce as far as the planning profession and us wanting to increase our notoriety and to, to build our resume up that we don't stop and think about the intricate parts of our job. Like, I, And I've always taken that from every single job that I've worked on. What did I learn? And what could I improve on with the next position? But ultimately, I want to be able to do it from an environment that I can literally talk through. With my eyes closed and i've done that for atlanta I, I literally you can close my eyes and i can tell you what where we are or if we're driving i can tell you what's nearby without even looking and that's something that i've gathered with every position that i've worked at i've worked from city hall to the atlanta Beltline, and it's a lot that you learn about people that have stories here that are not being told as well as processes that may have been by the wayside and are controlling the city and you learn a lot about that by staying put and being dedicated to a city. I respect folks who are moving back and forth between cities and building their profile but it's nothing like staying in a city and you know the right people will thank you for it.
1: Most definitely even though I have seven years of planning experience I've only worked at one place. I've moved up a little bit over the years but you know I've only Worked in this one city and the neighborhood that I live in now. I've been here basically since I've been born, so I'm more one of those like homebodies. I like to remain secure in what I know and what I'm familiar with, so I can resonate with you on that.
2: Right, and that's where the stint from Texas came from. I I didn't want to be that person that was born and raised in Georgia and haven't lived anywhere else. Like I even had a stint where I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area for a while uh, because. I thought that was where the innovation for transportation was. And I loved it, but something told me to heed the call to come back to Atlanta, that there was something more that I needed to do. And I'm looking at being here for the long haul. And it also helps that we have the World's busiest Airport. I literally can fly anywhere, round trip nonstop so but it also helps knowing that the people that are here that you've met know that you're committed here and know that you've done this in this city and all these contacts it it does help build a rapport with the people especially the ones that know where the city has been and can safely say that this would be a great deal of progress for the city, not necessarily putting all these high rises and all these luxury apartments everywhere, but restoring the things that tell the history of our city, restoring the things that tell how we moved in the 80s and 90s and how it relates to us moving now. And I want to be able to, to keep on with that. So I don't look at it as a, a, a dishonor of being in one place all of your life. I look at it more than most of these people around you. And I always say that the average stay of someone in Atlanta is probably a year and a half, like folks on last year. And that's the truth It's, it's you only get those few and especially the few that are, are originally residents up here, but it's good to have those folks that can tell that story and can be able to, to mold the future as it should be.
1: That's very interesting that there are not many um, people that, that stay there that long interesting fact. So you're able to break into the planning field while in grad school. How are you able to do that?
2: I interned around a couple places. My first internship was actually an undergrad, the was at Georgia State at the Clean Air Campaign. And it was a, a a transportation demand management agency. So they help people find different communities other than driving alone. And I, I was blown away because I originally thought that everybody in transportation planning had to be in public sector, that it was only strictly a public sector job. I didn't know that you could have a nonprofit for it. I didn't even know at that point that there were private entities that work in transportation. So that opened my mind. And then from there, I worked at the Atlanta regional commission after they folded. And I, I learned about the the different groups that were involved with regional planning and That seemed to be more of my forte, because I'm not interested in the city of Atlanta. I'm also interested in DeKalb County, Gwinnett County, Cobb County, Clayton County. I'm interested in all these other different environments and how it makes up the area that everyone around the world calls Atlanta. From there, my resume building through that and being able to to tell stories with that allowed me to become the transportation fellow at the Atlanta Beltline, which is our 22-mile loop around the in town Atlanta. And I learned a lot there. That led me to my first job running a a carpool account for Coca-Cola. And from there, I wanted to to be able to mix and mingle within different parts of uh, the planning field so I could have this experience and I can also tailor my trajectory to where I wanted to go. I didn't necessarily want to stay in any of these organizations for it, an extended period of time because I wanted to be able to to gain my strengths and eventually get the transit planning. So that was where I tapered it. But it was difficult because uh, at first, especially in undergrad, uh, I applied so many times for the, as an urban planner for city of Atlanta and I couldn't get in. And I wondered, I'm like, why am I, like, I not getting in? So I had to create the experiences for me. And that's where I volunteered for the neighborhood organizations. And you you'd be surprised that what experience you can gain by raising your hand and saying yes i'll do this for free that not that my internships were that way because i actually got paid for those but i know that's not everyone else's uh luxury but in the lack of experience that i had i actually created experiences for myself and being able to to be that liaison between the atlanta beltline and the neighborhood that i lived in the beltline was actually planning to go through So it made good sense and I don't regret any move I made back then. I I really feel like that was the plan overall.
1: Yeah, and I really appreciate you mentioning the fact that you volunteered to make that experience for yourself because in me doing the career culture, I usually just that the people at the end of the day, if you can't, you know, find a job. A lot of times when you're trying to find a job, um, they want you to have experience you're um, like, how can I get experience if you don't give me a job type of thing? So <laughs> then I guess the only real way that you can possibly get that experience may be to either intern, whether that's free or paid, or maybe even volunteer at the lowest level. And even hearing your story a little bit, I had a similar experience with me getting a playing job while I was in grad school as well. My last semester in undergrad, I started an internship for class credit And then transitioning into my graduate program, I actually was able to continue interning at the city. And so I stayed there. I'm like, I'm making money, so I might as well stay, get some experience under my belt while I'm in school. And being that I was there for at least a year, they offered me a part-time job. So I started working in the planning field while I was still in grad school. I was about like maybe a year into grad school. So... Yeah, it's been a great journey. I was like, you know, one of the lucky ones <laughs> as it relates to me <laughs> getting, like while I'm in school. I, I do know of a few other people that I was going to school with that were actually able to get playing jobs whether they're still in school, but it's not really that common to hear that.
2: And I think that's also another drawback that most people don't realize is that the money can be there, but for the most part, it's not. And I think that's what I'm learning now is that you really have to love this profession. You have to love it or you might as well find something else. Uh, and I'm learning to, to do that right now with Marta Army because I don't pay myself. I don't. No one on my board gets paid. We're working to, towards that, but I'm having to find and restore the love in public and transit planning uh, because even now with being in the pandemic, it's more of I'm scared to touch it. How can I, love it but it's more of the projects that we've done so far of feeding the the furloughed employees and right now we're doing um, another program called operation bus stop census where we're actually taking a census of the bus stops and categorizing everything that's wrong with it and everything that it that needs to happen Uh, and those are getting me interested and refueling my passion back for transit planning because it's showing me that there's more than one way to look at what you're doing and all it takes is a simple ride on a bus or a train or going somewhere else and doing that. And that's something I'll also recommend people to do is travel. Go to other cities and ride the ride transit. Go to other countries and ride transit and and that'll fuel your passion even more. And that's what I did. I studied abroad in Europe in undergrad, and I was astounded at all the transit that was there. Like even small towns had transit systems. And I'm wondering, why is America not doing this? Or what are we missing the mark on? And that's what really fueled me to, to really do this and really say, yes, we need to go hard with this because Atlanta is a leader, but I don't know how long that's gonna last. Because if we really don't get this traffic situation underhand, we're gonna lose out to Charlotte or Nashville or Miami. This it, it's gonna it's gonna lose it's gonna lose us. So I I wanna be one of the the purveyors of, of that. And like I said, I'm dedicated to this and I hope that there's a lot of other planners, especially planners of color. We need those voices to be heard and especially to show what's right and what's wrong and to stand for that. And I think I've done a good job of that here. I definitely do that in Texas. That was eye-opening to know that a lot of these decisions are racial and they have many racial undertones. So you need people who have tough skin and who are able to stick up for those who can't
1: I totally agree with you, especially your point regarding going to other countries and checking out their planning whether that's transportation or other planning related things. America we're behind basically we're behind as as relates to transportation planning a lot of different things we're behind. We're ahead in some aspects but in terms of planning we're behind. So we need to you know go to these other countries and see what they're doing and take notes cuz you know they're about 25 50 years ahead of us. So I think it's really important for us to also look at to see what they're doing. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the experience, you know, in grad school and working in the planning field. Would you suggest that others do the same?
2: I'll give the same advice I gave my sister when she graduated. If you don't truly love your profession, don't go to grad school. You're wasting your time. If you really feel like you can go and do this, go in the field. I think one of the mistakes I made was that I continued on to grad school. Not that I don't think it was the right choice because I did learn a lot of great planning critiques and techniques in grad school. But I felt like the call was already there for me to go. That you have the blueprints, go. You have the experience, go. Why are you waiting? but you, you will learn a lot of things at, at planning school that's invaluable. But I would say that you've got to truly love and care about it. And I think that's even more so for a PhD because you want to be the top of this. I know everything about this subject that you could throw at me. It's also the same with grad school. If you want to know even more, and I think that's where I was at that crossroads because I went straight through, I didn't stop and, I wanted to know more about this and break it down to where I can get in the weeds and apply this to the built environment now. And Atlanta was a great blueprint. It was a great stomping grounds for that because I was able to apply everything to what we did do and what we're sorely doing wrong. And, but looking back on it, I, I think I would have fared well if, uh, if I didn't do grad school. But like I said, if you, you've got the truly love it if you want to do grad school. But if you don't, stop at undergrad and go into the field.
1: Yeah, I would say, I don't know if I want to say a different perspective, but generally the planning field, most jobs require you to have a master's in planning. So a lot of times it's a little bit challenging if you have just a bachelor's in planning to actually like transition to the field and get a job. Even on top of that, a lot of schools are really offered a bachelor's degree in planning. And so I know that a lot of people that find out about the planning field usually find out about it when they're working on their bachelor's degree. And a lot of times they don't have the opportunity to maybe pivot and go get a bachelor's of planning because their school may not offer it. So they decide to finish with whatever degree they have and then they go on to get their master's in, in planning. I would say I do have a differing perspective as it relates to people going to get a, a master's in planning because I think it's crucial especially with the fact that now a bachelor's degree is almost looked at as a high school diploma now if you want to do your own thing like you don't really necessarily care to maybe work for someone then that's all good you don't really need to go to school for that but if you want to try to get a job in the planning fields nine times out of ten you probably need that master's degree
2: and I I think that with the, the positions I've worked at I guess influenced my decision because I worked alongside people who were in that position. I won't even say the profession, because like you said, most of them don't find out until later on in undergrad, but they've been there for all these years, but they have less education. My last supervisor only had a high school diploma and he was my boss. Meanwhile, I come with a master's and I was ridiculed for it. Almost like it was a joke. Like I was too educated. I was just Taken aback, I'm like, wait, you're picking on me because I have more education. And not as long as it resonates with you. I see it as a slight, and I do think it is, I won't say a travesty, but it is disappointing that you do need uh, so many credentials, especially with them pushing AICP on everyone. But I have mixed feelings about that as well. and And I don't think it's wrong, but we want to be able to have leaders out in the field as soon as possible. And the good thing about it is that most jobs will allow you to do grad school while you're working for them. And I applaud them. Um, uh, But I've looked at it as that we need leaders today. And, you know, that sometimes the world won't wait for you to finish up. And it's competitive. I'm fighting, like, for all these jobs and even for certain positions on boards. I'm fighting folks who are 20, 30 years older than me. And I think that's another thing that most folks don't realize about the planning field is that if you come in really young, you're going to have a huge age difference with everyone else you're going to work with. And that's also scary in the fact because you don't see eye to eye as far as planning techniques, whereas you like denser locations. and most of them will like their space and their comfort in cars i learned that um tdm i learned that the baby boomer generation are stingy they grew up on cars that's how they're going to be it's hard to change their minds that's something that you don't learn in planning school and that's something that once you have that experience in the field then you can be able to tell that story. And I think that's how I was able to have so much on hand once I got to grad school, because I was already in the industry while I was going to school. So I was able to already take what I've learned from work and apply it to this is why transit isn't high here, or this is why the they don't do this type of zoning in this county. And it all makes sense in the long run.
1: Yeah, and I want to expand on two of the points that you were were making. The first one being regarding the fact that your boss had less education than you. And I think it's just changing times. Now this new generation of people are required to have their master's back then. Planning is like a new field. A lot of people that are older, they may not necessarily have like degrees in planning because planning wasn't a, a degree. The director at my office, he had a bachelor's degree and it was in, I think, geography because I believe the school that he went to didn't have planning at the time. But everybody under him had a master's, every single person. He had a bachelor's. He was older. So I think changing times as it relates to that. And then even the other thing that you're mentioning regarding being young, I done the same thing myself. I started in the planning firm when I was 18, working in the city, and I still work at the same place, and I'm still the youngest there. That's something that you have to deal with. You have to suck it up. So something that, like you mentioned, like people don't really talk about a lot. You know, the fact that you know you're young in the, in the planning field you have to deal with a lot of issues um surrounding that so you know thank you for bringing that up
2: no problem I, yeah it's difficult and you definitely have to pack your patience and even the more innovative your position is you have to come in with that breath that your cohorts may not see eye to eye with you because i was proposing a lot of great ideas for this agency that they were unsure of because they haven't explored it. And especially because there was a technology component with it. So that was also out of their league. So it's just, you have to pack a lot of patience. and I would say, find something that you can decompose with after work. That's the biggest thing. Find your go-to because you will have some hard days to where you feel like you're alone. Once you stick with it, you'll, you'll survive. But yeah, it's definitely different when you have a huge age gap within your, your, cohorts.
1: I totally agree. As we're wrapping up, what points of advice would you give someone who may be like a current planning student and they're trying to look for a job while they're in school?
2: Don't look for an official job. That may not come. Find a particular subject within planning that you're really interested in and find a way to volunteer for it. If there's a a gatekeeper for a greenway, go on volunteer. If there's a, a neighborhood planning unit or a civic unit go volunteer you'd be surprised how willing they are to allow young people on go volunteer at something you may not even think go volunteer at a a call center like you never know and there's always even with me like in an undergrad i not only interned but i also delivered food on bike i learned so much about the the city of atlanta that i could never see because my only perceptions at the time were by car and by transit but by bike is a whole new immersive way to look at the city and i also attribute it to that because that also is part of the built environment but you have to look into more of what you really love about planning find that one subject and go find something that you can get your hands on that you can be a part of, that you can make decisions for. I was making a lot of great decisions for this neighborhood with volunteering for them. And all I did was show up to the meeting and show interest, speaking up, asking questions. The simplest things will allow people to see that you're interested and they'll want you to move forward with them or they'll want to to pick you up to put you in a better space to set you up for success. So I would say find your opportunity, whether it's delivering food or whether it's Volunteering to clean up the river because you're working on ecosystem planning. Find something that you're interested in and find a way for you to to get your hands wet.
1: I really like that. And just expounding on that a little bit is you can find planning in anything that you do. You have to be anything. You know, really intuitive and focused and be conscientious about what you're doing and trying to learn from you know any situation. So I really appreciate that. As we're wrapping up, please provide your social media platform so that people can connect with you.
2: I am Mr. Midtown Atlanta. That's M-R-M-I-D-T-O-W-N-A-T-L-A-N-T-A on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also uh, catch uh, my group, Marta Army, at martaarmy.org. That's M-A-R-T-A-R-M-Y dot O-R-G. We're doing a lot of great projects, and if you're in other cities and you want us to come Um, speak with you or show how we do the ropes. We go to transportation camp every year in DC and here in Atlanta, but we're open to talking to other groups and trying to see how you can get involved in your community. But yeah, that's it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to be interviewed by me. Um, And I hope you have a good night. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to be interviewed in a future episode, please head over to my website at ggtheplanner.com and select the interview tab and you can request to be interviewed by me in a future episode. That's all for today, folks. Ciao.
0: Thanks for listening to the Urban Planners Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over and leave a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss out on an episode. If you would like to buy personalized urban planning gear and other products or are in need of some urban planning career coaching, please head over to ggtheplanner.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at GGThePlanner. Have a great week and we'll see you. Next episode.